All sports, all the time. There's heroes and there's legends. Heroes get remembered. Legends never die. This is the Spoken Podcast. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. I'm your host, Lance Woodwell. Man, that kid, he can ball, man. He can ball. Touchdown, Kansas City! Man with freaking Mahomes, baby! Uh, let's talk some sports, because that's what we're here to do. You are tuned in to The Spoken. Spoken. This is the Spoken Podcast. I'm your host, Lance Twidwell, here inside the KC Beard Co. Studios with my guys, Eddie Ortiz, yo, yo, yo. Trevor Twidwell. What up? And we have ourselves a very special guest tonight, the operator of One Arrowhead Guys. Give it up for my guy, Anthony Stratton. Thank you, thank you. It's good, to have, it's good to have you here tonight, Anthony. Oh, I'll we want, my we shirt want... back on now. <laughs> I noticed you had some tassels on. That was pretty cool, man, how they, you know. Uh, uh, yeah, well, I mean, those are pierced in, so uh, <laughs> I need pliers to take them off if, if somebody would give me a hand <laughs> Well, we're glad to have you here tonight, man, because of the fact that I, I know we talked a couple weeks ago when we did the premiere for um, uh, The Running Man uh, by Clay Windler. Shout out to Red Tribe Cinema. That was an incredible night. We had a blast at your place, man. That was a, you're, you're, you have an awesome. You guys are great uh, uh, hosts. That was that was awesome, man. We had a great time with you guys. So it's good for you to be out here with us, man. We really appreciate you spending your gas money to come to us. So I really appreciate that. Well, I'm, I'm glad to be on too. Heck I mean, yeah, man! Uh, you're the, you're literally the first podcast that we promoted on the website. So yeah, it's it's really cool to be on. Well, that definitely means a lot to us, dude. It really does. So um, yeah, like I said, we're, we wanted to come. We wanted you to get here right before the season started to get your thoughts on a few things. Regarding the Chiefs, obviously this show is going to be all about Chiefs tonight. Um, before we get into the actual meat of the show as far as the Chiefs side of things, like I said before, you run Arrowhead Guys. And some of our listeners have actually contacted me, uh, messaged me over this last well, the last few days that I announced that you're going to be on the show. They had asked me, you know, what is it all about? You know, obviously they know that the, the general idea of what you guys do, but I, I really would like it if you could to take a few minutes and give us – the synopsis of what Arrowhead Guys is, what your intentions are behind it, how you guys run your, you know, your show, and what is it, what it's all about. Uh, so we uh, we all started up over a really bad joke of mine. Uh, basically, when Arrowhead Pride uh, underwent some new management, uh, we weren't really on board with uh, the way things were being ran, and uh, when when they lost their number one spot on SBN Nation to the the Philadelphia Eagles site, actually. <laughs> Uh, I guess they felt some pressure to, you know, start getting clicks back, and they started hammering down on basically the commenters. Uh, members of the website have been there for 10 years that basically made that from an independent blog to a website that got bowed out by Fox and SBN to be part of their network. Uh, it, it just didn't settle well with the fans, and, and so I made a wisecrack joke when they started cracking down and just randomly banning members for absolutely no reason. I made a wisecrack comment, well, oh, well, if you guys are going to be, you know, jerks, you know, we'll just start our own website called Arrowhead Guys and we'll do what you do and we'll do it better uh, because Arrowhead Guys kind of rhyme with Arrowhead Pride. And, you know, uh, <laughs> I never intended to start a website. Uh, but next thing you know, uh, my inbox was full of messages saying, you know, if you build it, we will come. <laughs> Essentially, uh, another another member of the website of, of Arrowhead Pride that, you know, uh, I went way back with years and years, you know, these online relationships you build. Basically like, hey, man, if you're serious, you know, I'll buy the domain name. I was like, oh, OK. And he's like, OK, I looked into hosting and, you know, I, I got our hosting set up and I'm like, well, oh, OK, so I have to do this now. <laughs> and I, I imagined it was going to be like 
20 people, you know, maybe like an open thread or two a day, just people like chatting. And the Friday that we launched, we literally two of us sat at the computer all day and approved new uh, new members. Uh, very first weekend, I think we were close to 500 members that had signed up. And the, the following week, we were over a thousand. Uh, you know, right off the bat, we're hitting, you know, six to 9,000 page views a day, you know, launching out of nowhere. And, uh, you know, within the first day of, of existence, I went, okay, this is not just a chat board I'm throwing up. This actually has to be a legitimate website. And from there is it's just grown. We've, we've gone out, we've got film analysts, we've got, uh, humor, humor writers, uh, we have a giant asshole who just shits on Veach all the time. That'd be me. Um, uh, I'd like to touch on that in a second too, if that's okay, but continue, please. Oh, we'll touch. Well, <laughs> uh, but, uh, but, but we've had just, you know, people come forward that just want to write. Uh, and it's, it's incredible. And the thing that we do that no one else does is that we can give you an honest, opinion of what's going on because we're not driven by ad revenue. Mm-hmm. We're, we're all volunteers. Yeah. Uh, it's completely volunteer basis. So we're not driven to sell clicks like many of the mainstream sites are where they just want to paint a pretty picture and, and tell you everything's going to be okay. You know, when I have a guy come to me and say, I have a controversial idea for an article, what do you think about this? I'm like, well, tell me about it. And I go, man, if that's a good idea, you're going to run with it because we do what we want. You know, that's, that's the essential basis of it is mm-hmm. we're cheese fans, but we can be critical of the chiefs without just being homers. At the end of the day, if we have an idea that we want to talk about, we're going to talk about it. And we have that freedom where a lot of other places are, are kind of limited because, you know, they're, they're worried about protecting their uh, press credentials. Yeah. And you guys started November of 2018, I believe. Is that correct? Correct. Okay. Right after the uh, Rams game. Okay. Oh, wow. And- so you're still baby yeah yeah you guys are very like we were talking before the show you're still at the very the ground level but from what you guys what i've seen the impact you guys have already made on this fan base and how you guys already had such an incredible following it's not like you guys started at first base no you guys no. started at second third base man. no we had we had a running start uh we literally just uh we had a, a captive audience that wanted to have that content that was you know kind of less corporate grimy you know, they, they, they didn't uh, want uncensored action. Well, not just uncensored, but, you know, not, not, not clickbait, yeah. not, not selling you shit. Mm-hmm. Somebody who's just telling you what they really think without any ulterior <laughs> motives. Right. And ultimately, really what it came down to is, you know, not being run by a Giants fan who got <laughs> fired by the Chiefs. <laughs> yeah. Well, as far as the controversy side of things, I will say this. Um I started the Spoken back in December of 2010, and my general idea was to give people a platform for them to be able to have a voice because I feel like there's an intention with a lot of different outlet uh, platforms that try to give people that or at least say that, and they don't really follow through with it. That was something we took pride in is that the, the, the group ran itself. Yeah, I, I guided it and I steered it in a certain direction, but I didn't control it, if that makes sense. And that's something I can appreciate about what you guys do is that I feel like we, we're kind of in that same vein. Right. And, and that's why I appreciate you guys doing what you're doing. I'm a big fan of it. And as far as the controversy side is concerned, that is kind of where I got my quote-unquote rise was when, I, uh, when the Chiefs uh, decided to go and sign Alex Smith or trade for Alex Smith. That was when I was very – I became a very vocal – 
individual. Like I stepped out of just the spoken side of things and I just became my own person. And that's, I think we share the same type of controversy and to, to go into the, the, your, you know, you, you mentioned Brett Veach. I, I look, I think a lot of people are big on Brett Veach, but I also see the other side of it where he has made his mistakes in the draft in particular. Where do you, cause obviously you you say you, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but you disapprove of Brett Veach. Yeah, I'm not a fan. Okay. Well expand on that. I'd love for our listeners to hear that because I, I you and I have not talked about this to this point. Right. Uh, no, I think, uh, I think the drafts speak for themselves. They've they've been rather lackluster. Uh, I actually published an article today that uh, I'm surprised didn't like make more people mad. Uh, people starting like agree with me, which is scary. Uh, but the two of the points I made towards the end of the article, it, it was you know basically are the Chiefs ready for the regular season? It was just kind of a summary of the preseason. But the last two points were you know we have a disappointing draft class. Uh, you know, people are talking about Saunders not making the roster a third round draft pick. Uh, and, you know, no one else has really flashed. I mean, Thornhill has looked solid. Uh, McCole Hardman has had some really nice splash plays. But otherwise, for an entire draft, a lot of the players that we were excited about had a lot of hype coming in. And some of the undrafted free agents, too, like Custis and Thompson, you just haven't seen anything from. Yeah. And, not only is it this disappointing draft, but we have a disappearing sophomore class. Has anyone heard anything from last year's draft class in this preseason? Other than Breland Speaks getting hurt? No, not really. I mean, think about it. I mean, last year's draft class, you know, one of my favorite players was Dorian Daniel in that draft, and he has been buried. I, I look at this offseason, and Brett Veach has gone out and systemically – replaced literally everybody he draft with a very high value uh, free agent or a trade in the offseason. You know, defensive end, Freeland Speaks. He goes out, he signs Okafor. He trades for Ogba. He yeah. trades for Frank Clark. There's a lot of money tied up in that position. And the last two years, the number one draft pick we've taken was a defensive end, uh, Tano Passigno and Brent, uh, Freeland Speaks. Uh Defensive tackle. We drafted Kalen Sanders or Kalen Saunders, Saunders, uh, you know, which was another double down at the position we had last year with the only decent draft pick apparently we had, which is a rotational nose tackle and Derek Naughty, who I love. But, mm -hmm. uh, but you know, Dorian O'Daniel, he was one of a, he was a fan favorite and we go out and trade for Darren Lee. You know, DOD's not getting playing time over Darren Lee. Darren Lee's probably the best linebacker on the team right now. Yeah. Uh, so you just you look at last year's draft, and it's not like most GMs or most new GMs that get hired onto a team. They come into a new team months before the draft. Brett Veach was hired a year before the draft. So he had a whole year to prepare with his scouts, with a team he'd been with for years. So you don't get that like he was a new GM excuse. He was the director of scouting. This is literally what we've been told is his specialty. Right. Is finding gems in the draft. Supposedly, yeah. he's the guy who found Patrick Mahomes, even though literally 40% of the fans of every team who wanted a quarterback last that year knew about Patrick Mahomes. He didn't find Mahomes. But – that's my thing is he's supposed to be this genius that he's been pitched to us as in the draft and two years running now, he's kind of failed to deliver on too many, uh, much for a hit. Right. Well, I mean, it, I guess the only defense I can give Brett Veach is the fact that he is yet to have a first round pick as a, as a GM. So 
I, I, here's the thing. I, I would say I, I, everything you said was valid. I will give you that. My point is, is if, let's say that he had a first round pick this year and that guy was a complete bust. I, you and I would be sitting on the same side of the table right now. I'd be high-fiving you and be like, dude, you're, you're well, preaching. It's easy not to have a first-round draft pick if you keep trading. That's, and that's the point. But see, yeah. here's the thing. Yeah, I, what I like, yeah. and, and that's that's where my point's rotating, because I like that Brett Veach, unlike almost any other GM in Chiefs history, which aren't a lot, but enough to, to say the difference, is that he is aggressively trying to win now. Because you, you don't make a trade to Frank Clark for Frank Clark yeah. with the first-round pick unless you're trying to win right so now. And, and I absolutely agree with that. Uh, we are trying to build win now. And it's it's very obvious to the point where I've looked at the moves he's made and I've wondered if Andy Reid doesn't have a timeline for retirement. Uh, that might be like three years down the road because if you look at the contracts that he's mm-hmm. given out, in three years we're probably going to have some big problems with the salary cap. Uh, so as expected, I would but, say, but yeah, I mean, so I kind of wonder if that isn't part of it. If, if Andy Reid's like, Hey, look, Brett, I've only got a few years. Let's, right. let's blow this thing up. We're going to leave them with the franchise quarterback. They can't be mad that if we, if we, if we create problems down the road, if we go out and we win a couple championships in the meantime, why do you think that, why do you think Andy, not to cut you off, but why do you think Andy Reid held on to, to Alex Smith as long as he did? Because he wanted a veteran presence as long as he possibly could. I'm not defending it. Cause I wanted Patrick Mahomes week one, yeah. but I think that's all you're hundred percent. Right. I think Andy's like, look, I am in my sixties. I'm not going to be coaching for very much longer. We've talked about this the last couple of weeks about how many more years does he have? And that's the question. You know, I think it really comes down to the success the team has. I think if they win a couple Super Bowls, I think he is getting out in the next couple of years. If they don't, I think he's still motivated because he has a young Mahomes. But you're right. That's a great thought. And I want to get Trevor's thoughts on this too in just a second. But I mean, I think that the reason I like Brett and I'm still not I'm not sold that I'm not sold, if that makes sense is the fact that I like aggressiveness from a GM. And I like the fact that him and Andy Reid are on the same page because Dorsey and Reid did not have that camaraderie, whereas he comes from Philadelphia with Andy. I like John Dorsey. I liked him. He had problems with the contracts. Whether he was pressured into the Eric Berry contract or not, he did fuck up with the one on Justin Houston because he waited one year too long, and then Justin Houston had one of the greatest seasons of all time. So John got hit on that one. But I will give John this, and I will always give John this. That man knows talent. That man knows how to go not only in the draft, but scrap heat players. Like, no matter what your opinion is on Ron Parker, that guy played a very significant role for a couple of years. No one knew who Ron Parker was, and he became a full time starter. What's your thoughts on Brett Beach and and, and the whole situation? You guys said pretty much a bit of both of my thoughts kind of go with both of you guys, but I just, I I can only base it off what I see on the field. And if he's bringing in players by trading draft picks and those players pan out better than any of those draft picks, uh, we've would have panned out. All that matters to me is winning. You know, if he's bringing in bodies that that are better for our team than we could have found in the draft, that's really. I mean, I know he as a GM draft is what matters. So we, he's definitely got to We got to guys see some guys pan out from his draft classes. Um, which I'm hoping this draft class definitely. I think we we will with McCall Hardman and then Darwin Thompson, who I think will definitely be some offensive weapons. Um, probably not this season, but maybe in the future. Um, but yeah, we definitely got to see some some defensive players come in and actually pan out. Breland Speaks has been a bust pretty much so far, and he came into camp overweight, and he, now he's hurt, and he's probably – I don't even know if he's going to play this year, to be honest with you. Um, it doesn't sound good. Right? He, so, he had a knee injury, right? Right, and he's already heavier, like 20 pounds yeah. heavier than he was last year. And we all know the heavier you are, the worse the knee injury is going to be because you're carrying more weight. So, yeah, Speaks, man, was, I was hoping he'd become a player, but it doesn't look good. And um, he, I think he's got more of an eye for offensive players, to be honest. 
I got me personally to make like a legitimate judgment. I need to get, I need to see one more draft. Yeah. Cause he's like, we, like you said, he's, he's traded all of his first round picks. So if we have a first round pick heading into this next season, if he doesn't trade it away for somebody else. And ironically, that would yeah. be year three, essentially, as him as the full time GM. They usually, you know? give your GM like a three year. Yeah. 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 Year. Same with coaching. Right. Well, Eddie, what's your thoughts on, on Brett Beach? What, what do you yeah. see as, as a Chiefs fan? Do you approve of what he's done so far? So far, yes, I approve what he's done. I mean, obviously, they're gonna they're gonna hold those uh, his first draft class like to him. If they don't pan out, they're just gonna hold it against him. And like you guys said, like it, it all comes down as to like what's gonna happen with it the next the next couple years in the draft class. If he can actually scout players, if he can actually bring players that are gonna make that change, you know, because obviously in three years, like he said, they're gonna have. Issues with the uh, salary cap. The yeah. salary cap. So obviously depth. you need cheap, cheap, cheap talent, yeah. but you also need good, good players. So, in the, within the next two years, we'll see if he's actually because here's worth the th- it, here's know? the thing: if if the Chiefs, let's say they win the Super Bowl this year, Brett's Brett's going to get a lot of credit, but John Dorsey should too. For what that's yeah, worth, I know fans are probably rolling their eyes here and that like, well, what does it matter? Well, no, it does. Because a lot of the players still on this team that are yeah. making significant impact were drafted by Literally. John Dorsey. Whether you, like well, yeah, Patrick well, Mahomes. Right, <clears throat> and that's the thing. Because I, I, I talked to my guy Shaggy Sheen. I, that's one of my best friends. He's my brother. We've talked about that. We even talked about it today. You know, he, he, he said, like, hey, man, you know, like, that's, that's his opinion. That's a lot of people's opinions. And it does make sense because we did talk to Brett Veach a couple years ago at training camp. And he told us, I've been watching this kid for a while. I will give him credit for that. At the end of the day, though, John Dorsey was still the GM at the time, and you have to at least acknowledge the fact that he was still in a position of quote-unquote power for that move to be done because what if John Dorsey would have been against it? That's the thing you got to think about. I think at the end of the day, they still draft Patrick Mahomes. And not only that, but John Dorsey is the one who made that trade. Exactly. Which could go down in history as one of the worst trades Ever for, for the, the other Buffalo team, Bills. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when, when they have the, like the NFL uh, network's top 10 worst trades, the Bills are probably going to show up on this for giving away Patrick Mahomes yeah. for a first. Oh, no doubt. Third. Oh, no doubt. I mean, I mean, if, I mean for, for me, like the way I'm looking at it, I know the biggest black mark on, on our team last year was the defense, right? And we had a whole offseason to address it, and we addressed it by obviously clean, cleaning house, coaching, and, and roster wise. For me, it kind of hit the way I'm seeing Beach is how this season goes defensively. Yeah. If we are not any any way better or say we're worse, that's a big no-no on his side of the way he's going to be viewed because we had a no-off season, he cleaned house, you're expected to bring in better talent when you clean house and better coaches when you clean house and coaches. So if, if we don't improve anything in the slightest or we improve – at least by like five spots, or, right? Or allowing five, six, seven less points than we did last and, and year. We're gonna gonna ta- huge yeah, point. we're going to talk more about that tonight. Actually, I'm yeah. glad you brought that up because we're going to talk about the defense tonight. But um, yeah, I mean, look at it. I mean, the, the Chiefs have made significant changes on the defensive side, and and I have to it's give Brett Veach the credit yeah. for that because those moves. Are, but here's the thing: the Chiefs are one of the few teams in the NFL where we could almost a consensus believe, like a, a consensus agreement, say, well. The coach is the one that really makes the final decision. Like the Chiefs, the Patriots, the Saints, teams like that, like probably the Rams. Those teams, their coaches are the ones making the decisions as far as personnel is concerned because those coaches have proven themselves to be consistent winners. Sean McVay is young, but he's already been to the Super Bowl. My point is this. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Anthony. And that uh, is something you actually mentioned earlier I wanted to, to address, and that's one of my concerns with Brett Veach being an Andy Reid yes man from Philadelphia is when Andy Reid had that power in Philadelphia, it did not go well. 
and that ended up getting him fired. Makes you a little nervous. Uh, so it, yeah, it does make me nervous mm -hmm. not having a GM there that can kind of push back and say, "No, Andy, this is this is the this is the best thing for the team long term." Versus, this is the shiny new toy that you need right now. Right. Yeah, the, the only and, and and that's true. I because that's obviously how it went down in flames in Philadelphia. I remember when uh when uh the first training camp 2013 when Andy was here. There were actually people from Philadelphia at training camp I was standing next to. I was talking to a couple radio guys, oh, yeah. and they all said, hey, man, he's your problem now. Now, obviously, I was a big Andy it believer. I, I loved Andy. I think he – if you ask me right now, Anthony – His name's son is Reed after the coach. There we go. Enough said. But see, here's the thing. I think – and maybe this is an unpopular opinion. I think Andy Reed's already the greatest coach the Chiefs have ever had. I yeah, think I, I would agree with that. I, I think he is. I think he's, he is. He's never had a losing record in Kansas City. The only reason they didn't make the playoffs in 2014 was because Alex Smith did not throw a fucking touchdown to a quad <laughs> receiver. But I digress. Um, but here's the biggest issue. Here, here's here's why I have a problem. Is is that my concern with Andy Reid is his clock management and things of that nature. For me, the personnel side of things, I hate to throw a blanket over it, but the ultimate difference between Philly Reid and KC Reid. Is Patrick Mahomes? Yeah. Patrick. If he had, if he had Patrick Mahomes in Philadelphia, I think he's still the coach in Philadelphia. Patrick Mahomes erases a lot of work. That's the point. A true you franchise know, quarterback, both, both roster wise right. and coaching wise. How many times did we talk about Andy Reid's clock management last year? Right. Not very I often. Don't remember. Well, you're scoring too fast. <laughs> well, here, yeah, that, that's the only part is that against the Patriots, both times yeah, people said, "Well, you scored too, too quickly." Well, guess what? You, you know. That's a good problem to have when you have Alex Smith who was yeah, checking it I down mean, negative three yeah, yards. It's, you know. it's just like the Alex Gordon, you know, should he run for should he run for home debate? You know, uh, what was it, the first Patriots game when like, you know, they scored the touchdown at the end, they're like, Oh, he should have fell down and just, yeah. you know, like, no, you take the touchdown. Absolutely. Right. Every sure single thing, time you, you take the touchdown. Well, and again, that's gonna segue to yeah. the defensive the conversation we're gonna have tonight because of the fact that if they had a defense even worthwhile, we're not talking about them scoring too quickly. As far as a negative side of things, we're talking about that as Damn, that offense is fast. Damn, they score quick. It isn't like shit. They scored too quick. You know that it's all about narratives. When you have a you don't have a defense that can actually provide you any sort of help. That's the problem that we had last year. So, you of two thousand three, when you know you're like, ah, oh, just let them score real quick so we can have the ball at the end. Yeah, right. Well, and, and, yeah, I had a lot of those moments. It's either last one year. or the other with the Chiefs, man. Yeah. It's always been so. That. So in a in a vacuum, when it comes to Brett Veach, I think that. Considering the limited power that I believe he has, I don't think he has any say over anything when it comes to personnel. I think Andy Reid's the final say. I think what Brett Veach has become, and I don't mean this in a disrespectful way for him, I think that he is basically like the top advisor as far as talent is concerned. Like he's an advisor to Andy Reid. Like, hey, I really like this kid. Me and my people, like he always noticed, you know, always notice like in the in the interviews, he always says, My people back in Kansas City do a great job. He's kind of like that, just and I know general managers, that's kind of what they do anyway. But I feel like it's just a very, it's a very delicate situation here in Kansas. City. It isn't like a normal general manager where they have like their the own hierarchy. Yeah. yeah, they don't have. I don't feel like Brett Veach really has that. He's a very young, he's 30, 38, 39 years old. He could become that. He's yeah. he's been with Andy Reid since his early twenties. Like it's kind of like a son father thing. You know yeah. what I mean? Where he's like, hey pop, I think this kid is probably who should be looking at. Let me know what you think. Right. Oh, you didn't want him? Okay, no problem. Oh, you want him? Cool, get him. That's kind of how I see this situation. I know that's kind of simplifying it because I know I'm not disrespecting and, what Brett Beach no, does. I definitely but. agree with that, but I think at the end of the day, though, when when if you know if, if that is the case, and Andy Reid says, "Hey, we should really go get Frank Clark," the, the problem is is Brett Beach is the one making the moves. Uh, and one of the big problems I had with him was, you know, with all of his trades or attempted trades, he's going out and publicly saying things like. 
if uh, you know D Ford isn't in our long term plans, you know we're we're not going to have him after this year. Right. That kills your trade value. Uh, same thing with Justin Houston. Don't if we don't cards. find a trade partner, we're going to cut him. That kills your trade. There's value. no leverage. Uh, and you know, and you know, when he goes out, he's making to make these trades. He is literally just putting himself in a corner where he is just getting reamed by other GMs. Yeah. Uh, it, it was funny. Uh, one of the articles we did on the Frank Clark trade the day before the trade, or it may have been the morning of the trade before it happened. We put a poll out there that said. Would you be happy trading a first-round pick and a market-level contract for Frank Clark? And it was like 70 or 80% of the people said no. They would not be happy trading a first-round pick and a market-level contract mm. for Frank Clark, which is what they did. No, well, we gave first and a second. <laughs> right. And then the day after, I found a poll where somebody asked the same thing, and the results were literally flipped. So the day before the trade happened, people said we're like 70% against giving a first form. And then we gave a first and a second and gave them a, you know, a market setting value contract. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden they do another poll and now it's 70% approve of it because chiefs. <laughs> and that's why we have them on the show tonight to help us break down these narratives that we have going on, going on in chiefs kingdom. So we're going to take a break real quick guys. When we get back, uh, we're going to talk to uh, Anthony a little bit about the national perception of the Chiefs, because obviously we know how it is out here, how excited we all are here in Kansas City. But how do you think that the rest of the 49, 48 states are, are perceiving this team that we love so much? We'll get back to that after this. Back at it again on the Spoken Podcast for segment number two. I am your host, Lance Twidwell, here inside the KC Beard Co. Studios with my guys, Eddie Ortiz, yo, yo, yo. Trevor Twidwell, and Arrowhead guy's own, Anthony Stratton. That's right. That's right. That's right. So we just got in actually talking a little bit. Of, uh, Anthony gave us an idea of what exactly Arrowhead Guys does, how it all started up, which I love that story. It's a very fascinating story, man. I love what you guys have been doing. You guys have been working your asses off. And again, the parties that we've had so far with you guys have been an absolute blast. I look forward to more of those in the future. Um, but now we're going to talk a little bit about something that's a little bit broader as far as th what the Chiefs are. I like broads. <laughs> so we talk a lot about the local idea of what this team is and how they're perceived and what we what we see them as. And that's very easy to do because it's our perception. It's very easy to do when it's only coming from you. So I, I want to get your idea, Anthony, uh, as far as – because the national media doesn't cover us often, but when they do, I hear it's opinions. Usually wrong. It's usually wrong. wrong. Yeah, I'm gonna be honest. Yeah. Like we have a few, we have a few nope. guys out there that that represent us well. Like Nick Wright, I've known him for years. That guy, I feel like he represents Kansas City just fine, and he's one of the few out there that actually knows what he's talking about when it comes to the Chiefs. Rightfully so, because he's connected here. But I hear a lot of times. I, I feel like it's very. Um, surfacey as far as what the, the coverage is and what they're, I mean, I even heard Chris Carter recently, ironically, Nick Wright's co-host on his show, first things first, talk about how he felt like Carlos Hyde was going to be this pivotal player for the chiefs this year. When the dude just got done playing last night in the fourth game and was, he's not going to make this team. I, I, yeah. I mean, I, I don't understand like how hard it is just to do a little research on one of the most complete teams with the MVP on the roster. You would think that they would do the research, what what I don't want to set you up on the negative side of this, but I kind of want to get your idea, Anthony. What is your thoughts? What do you think the Nash the nation sees the Chiefs as? What is the Tyreek Hill story the biggest part? Is Patrick Mahomes gonna be the potential regressing stat stuffer guy? Is Andy Reid the guy that can't get it done? What do you think it is? Uh, I think I think you got a couple 
couple layers there to peel back. Uh, as far as Tyreek Hill, uh, for the most part, I think you have fans out there that like to troll, and those are the ones that are really stuck to the Tyreek Hill story. Uh, for a while there, we, we saw a lot of them getting on our timelines, and for the most part, it's really dialed back quite a bit. Uh, if the NFL and Roger Goodell can't find anything to give you at least one or two games for, chances are you're pretty freaking clean. Uh, so I, I think I think the fact, the moment that they did not hand out a suspension to Tyreek Hill, a lot of people like kind of butt puckered over all their dumb hot takes that they've been making about, oh, Tyreek Hill broke his son's arm and all this shit. And I, th- I think they like just kind of just like immediately just, you know, park the brakes and start, start backpedaling that shit out. Uh, but we really haven't seen much of that. Um, and, and, and I do, I, I hear from people all over the country on this sort of thing. So, uh, that that's really died down a lot. So that's, that's good to hear that people are getting informed and, and kind of know what's going on with that. Uh, but for the most part, I think Patrick Mahomes is really a national entity. Yeah. Um, you know, we see him everywhere here. Um, you know, we, in the off season, we saw him in California doing shoots for Oakley head and shoulders, uh, head and shoulders. Most recently, you know, they had the big, uh, Oakley stint and, uh, Times Square with, you know, uh, uh, a buddy of mine on Twitter. uh, He lives in Denver. He's seeing Patrick Mahomes all over Denver now on posters. Uh, Guys on the East Coast are seeing Patrick Mahomes. So, so literally, uh, Patrick Mahomes is like, he he is the new, he's the new Peyton Manning, the new, uh, you know, because Peyton Manning, I think even more than Tom Brady was like that face. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. Way better personality. Uh, Yeah, for sure. Because everyone hates Tom Brady, rightfully so. Uh, he cheats and he sucks. But anyways, yeah. um, I feel like we got uh, Barry McCockner in here now. <laughs> we, we don't have we don't have time for all all my Patriots hate. Um, <laughs> Look at this amazing five yard throw by by Tom Brady. <laughs> but he's forty one years old. <laughs> but, but that's you know he was he was a hard sell for like the national audience because you know he's a dick. He's a prick. Nobody likes him. Their coach is a jackass. They cheat a lot. You know, they don't talk to the news, you know, they don't talk to the media, you know, they're just standoffish. And whenever you do see Tom Brady, he's just like, Hey, look at me. My life's so much better than you. And then he's like, let me French my son. Um, So, uh, but yeah, I mean, Patrick Mahomes is like the biggest face since Peyton Manning and, and Peyton Manning. I mean, he he was that guy. He was in commercials and Saturday Night Live skit yep. where he's throwing footballs at kids. Which nice you know, I got three kids, man. I'd love to do that. <laughs> well, I'd let me ask you. I'd let, love to do that to other people's. Let kids me ask you a question in particular. Um, as far as the Tyreek, I, I know what you're saying about how they, people have been backpedaling a little bit or, or easing off. But you know as well as I do. I mean, we're both on Twitter a lot, yeah. and and there was a discussion I had um, a couple uh, about a week ago. And I was actually going to use this as an L, but I'm not going to because I actually have something that's better now. But uh, the thing I had was a bunch of Patriots fans were coming at me about Julian Edelman. I even had uh, Patriots fans try to make the case that he's a top three wide receiver in playoff history. Yeah, They, They were trying to make a case that he was a top three playoff wide receiver of all time. This guy has eight touchdown, eight career touchdown catches in 18 playoff games. So that's not the point. The point is this. Is that once that conversation began, I started to break things down. Immediately, I had people coming into the conversation about Tyreek Hill and hurting his son and all those other things. So my point was, my concern is this, because you know as well as I do, that the East Coast 
is you know that's the haven you know for for sports markets you that's the haven West, coast in general the most biased fan base and, and yeah and i, I want to know like do you think that the chiefs going into these primetime games with big teams like the patriots and rams and chargers and all these teams with big markets do you believe that's how the chiefs are being perceived as as a team that held on to a guy that you know didn't do those things clearly but the perception and the narrative was already out there. There's no stopping it now. Do you think that's still something that weighs heavy? Do I mean, what do you think, Trev? Do you think that's what's happening? I mean, as far as the national media, I mean, Colin Coward, all the main Good Morning Football with you know Peter Schrager and all the narrative is Super Bowl favorite. I mean, that's all I see as far as the national media goes. I know the Tyreek. I mean, if you want to get into like the, the underworld of it all and get on the you know the Twitter sphere and look at all the like you said trolls and all that. I don't really give that much mind as far as like getting an intellectual perspective of how we're being perceived. I look at it as far as like I take a little bit of the national media, which is all glitz and glamour right now. Right. We're, we're the Super Bowl favorite or one of them. Super Bowl or bust right now. Mahomes is the new hotness superstar kid. He's got the hair. He's got the voice. He's, you know, he's just everything about him is unique. I don't know about that voice. <laughs> no, I'm saying, but it's unique. It, it is unique. unique. It is unique. Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. Yeah. No, but it makes it unique. Yeah, 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 very unique. Yeah, right. yeah. He, right. he, he stands out. Right. So, like, you know, but like with him, he, his look and everything about him, the way he throws the ball, the no-look passes, the way he's kind of changing, it's, it's similar to the way Steph Curry made his, yep. his yep. entrance into the NBA and changed the game. So uh, that's why I love that comparison. But, yeah, they're like – honestly, we're like the Warriors of the NFL, like the way we're being perceived right now. We're the new hotness. We haven't won shit yet. Yeah. Right, but we are being pushed into that that, but, that tier. At the same time, I have heard the comparison because I've heard the Steph Curry comparison. But I, when it comes to Andy Reid, I've heard the comparison to Mike D'Antoni. I, Anthony, I, I don't know if you follow the NBA at all, but Mike, Mike D'Antoni has been a coach that's been famous for having high scoring teams that has never won anything, and that's what people are starting to associate. Because Andy Reid now has been in, you know head coach for over twenty years. It's, no, it's a solid comparison. It is a solid comparison. Yeah. No, you know they they've said that no coach has ever won his first championship after his twentieth season well as a head coach. Offense. You know, right. Yeah. The defense for me, for, for me, Andy Reid's defense is, well, how many coaches have made it to 20 years? That's the thing. And you know, we're comparing the NBA to the NFL, where it's much harder to actually win games on a consistent basis. And Andy Reid is top 10 of all time in doing that. So that's not I mean, D'Antoni is a scrub compared to this level of winning. Yeah, um, it's just it, he's been to the big game. He just he hasn't been able to take it down yet. That's the only thing. And but, but we all know. When you get a franchise type quarterback and a really a once in a lifetime talent like we honestly kind of lucked into, I didn't. We, none of us really knew he'd become what he is, right? And we had to suffer through some Alex Smith seasons let's, to, let's to not get associate there. luck with our quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm just saying, we we, we didn't I mean we, none of us ever really expected to see a, a franchise quarterback be drafted by us. I we, told I told everybody seen it before, so. I said that I said on Pat, uh, Patrick Mahomes' first season, which was last season, I said he was going to have 39 touchdowns mm-hmm. and 4,700 yards, and I got mocked all over social media not just twitter because that's where the and savages now, are now he's regressing he throws 40 man yeah. and i underestimated him <laughs> right. i underestimated that's him. the beauty I of mean, the pendulum man. <laughs> it just swings one way and it's the other it's, yeah I, I don't think i was anywhere even close to that on my yeah. on my uh touchdown yard prediction i think i was like you blew fantasy sports up by him well vegas had about I, I 22 think, and a half I, I think i was like 33 and 37, 3,800 yards. Now that would like be that, depressing. But with, like, <laughs> but with like 18, 20 interceptions, yeah, you yeah. know. Oh, yeah, everyone expected uh, to throw a lot of picks. I remember, I remember Eddie and I having many conversations, and uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call Eddie out a little bit on that one. He would say often that, you know, Patrick Mahomes is going to have 20 interceptions, and 
And it's okay, honestly, because you know most times when you have a guy that is a quote unquote you didn't think that you're an idiot. Well, I mean, but I, mean, I, I had him. Everyone really, thought it. I only had him yeah. throwing fourteen. If that for what it's worth, so uh, you know, hold the zell, I guess. But <laughs> I mean, if, if Eddie's not going to defend himself, I'll, I'll take no. Eddie's and he's over there just playing. Yeah, the Eddie's fifth, I guess. playing on his phone. I'm just gonna, I, you know, I just met the guy, but you know, I'll, I'll pick you up, brother. I mean, literally. You're an idiot if you didn't expect Patrick Mahomes to struggle last year. I, I, if you ex- literally expected him to do what he did, man, you're, you're – I mean, I was close. Let me just put it like that. No, I, mean, I, mean, I underestimated him. No, I mean, I, I thought he would do good, but I thought you would see those rookie things from him. I mean, right. After I, saw the I, didn't, game, I didn't expect I to come out and watch year four, you know, Aaron Rodgers playing for the Chiefs yeah. his first year starting. Nobody rightly can say they expected – that well, let, let's much. let's segue to that a little bit, Anthony, because I, now that I kind of get an idea of where you guys are at as far as what you believe the national perception is on the Chiefs, do you do you expect Patrick Mahomes to repeat what he did last season? Because I've told these guys on the show a hundred times, the yes, he did throw a lot of touchdowns last year, and it was fifty, and it's one of the most of all time in a single season. But every single one of those touchdowns last year, I believe, were necessary. They might not be necessary this year, but I also know that Andy Reid likes to make a point here and there. And I think if he gets his quarterback to throw 100 touchdowns in his first two seasons, that's going to make Andy Reid look really good. And I think that has something to do with it. Because when you coach this long in the NFL, you have an ego. And I think that that's something that we can definitely look at. And plus, the Chiefs don't have a dominant run game. They have a good run game. But Damian Williams is not going to be a guy that's going to rush for 15, 16 touchdowns. Right. So where are the touchdowns going to come from? This team's going to average over 30 points a game. So where are those touchdowns coming from? The yeah. air. So yeah. They're coming from the air. Uh, I think I think, I think think they're going to be scoring, obviously. Uh, I, I don't see a scenario in which he regresses. Uh, that said, is it going to be 55,000? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, for me, it's about the win-loss record. What's the scoreboard say at the end of the game? Right. So, in that standpoint, I could say we're absolutely not going to regress. Are we going to play a little more ball control at the end of the games? Uh, that's something we really struggled with when we did lose Cream Hunt. Mm-hmm. Uh, while Damian Williams provides that big hit, uh, home run speed, that that threat, he, he's not a grinder. Um, and we, 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 we didn't have uh, – Darrell was hurt. Right, towards yeah, the end of the year. Darryl, yeah, yeah. So uh we, we didn't have that guy to grind out games. And I think that really hurt us last year late is, year, yeah. is not having that guy that could just, just demoralize a defense once you had once you had that lead. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and even though he's kind of a little dude, I kind of see a little bit of that in uh Darwin. Uh, yeah. and I hope that he can bring some of that, some of that just you know, elusiveness, you know, breaking tackles, getting away from guys, because that's what really just destroys a defense. And when when the offense is over there on the sideline watching their defense just crumble, yeah. you know, it, it tears them apart. And we really suffered on that last year. Well, who won the – I mean, let's be real here. I mean, we'll call it what it is. So the Patriots won the Super Bowl last year off of running the ball. They went back to 1995 football. Yeah. And it worked. Tom Brady had one touchdown pass or two touchdown passes and three interceptions. It was impressive. As boring as that game was, it was impressive to see that. Right. That's my point. (laughs) It it was like San Antonio Spurs basketball on a football field. Like it just fundamental and it got it done. I I don't expect the Chiefs to be that. No. But I do expect the Chiefs to play smarter football as far as the offense is good. Because like we've talked about, I don't want to bitch about scoring too quickly. and And I think the other thing is, is last year Mahomes wasn't a commodity. 
Right. Last year, Mahomes was the cheap quarterback who played really good. That's a good point. Now he's a commodity. He's a superstar. He's a face of the NFL. I think, and I think you saw it this year in the preseason. Literally, Andy Reid every year preseason game three, the starters come out for one series in the third. Not this year. Yeah. Uh, he's changed his entire approach to preseason with Patrick Mahomes. I and 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 I'm a wow. uh, I'm, I'm an Eagles fan too. Uh, Eagles are my team. My best friend, his dad is from Philly, so the Eagles were always my NFC team. So I've followed Andy oh, okay. for twenty years. Right. So I know this guy. And he is being completely different this year with Patrick Mahomes than he has ever been before. So Patrick Mahomes is now a commodity. Yeah. And I, I, and and when people say, you know, is he going to throw for fifty touchdowns? I'm like, last year he was playing out games. This year he might not. Right. He might be getting yanked in the fourth. I think a lot of the preseason stuff has to do with Pat not being able to control himself from diving headfirst into defenders. I think I hate seeing him on the field, period, in preseason I, games. But I, I think that was just across the board. I don't think Pat can control himself. Uh, just but, innate but, winner. but even aside from, from that one play that you're yeah. talking about, every other game, you know, no, I, last I year or two years ago, Alex started every single preseason yeah. game, even the fourth. He played like, you know, a couple snaps in the fourth game. It, you, he's just doing things differently. You know, the first game he played the entire quarter, Pat only played, what, one series? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he's doing things completely different. I think he is going to handle things differently that way. And when you have a couple score lead in the fourth quarter late, I think you're going to be seeing Pat pulled out. And, and that could hurt his stats if he's getting less playing time. Because what, he's getting I can paid. honestly see no, that. Good. No, good, good. No, I can honestly see that because you don't want to risk an injury of a potential Super Bowl run to your to your main star, you know, so I can see us leading the game by 20, 25 plus points in the fourth entering the fourth quarter. I can see Andy going like, all right, let's you know let's yeah. let's bring out Patrick Mahomes. Let's keep everybody else out there. Just change quarterback. You know, I don't want to I don't want to take that risk and let my star quarterback get hurt. Because less that, is Matt more. All of that comes back to and hinges on the confidence we have in our defense. If even last, even last year, there were games where I was screaming to pull Patrick Mahomes out. Yeah, but then in and the he played second. That team's coming back. No, That's but I mean, there's there were still there were games that we were handling. the Bengals up. game in particular. I mean, yeah, well, and he Bengals played he played yeah. the whole Bengals thing out yeah. because last year he was a first year starting quarterback. He wasn't a commodity. Uh, yeah. This year he's the MVP. Yeah, in he was AFC, like that, yeah. You know, he he played it to the wire in the AFC Championship game. He is a commodity now, and I think Andy Reid's going to have to manage. Well, that what I said about the Bengals game, and we talked about this, is. That game was a statement game because if you remember, I think that was like week five, and the Bengals were four and one, I think, or week six. It might have been week they six. Were they yeah. were hot. Everyone's talking about this, you know, power rankings are yeah. up there. Yeah. And the Chiefs went in there and smoked their asses. We were at that game. Eddie and I were at that Dude, game. That was beautiful. It was just an onslaught, man. And, and it, the whole like fans were just on their phones by the third quarter, you know, because they knew the game was over. It was our thirty-five played, to ten. Played well that game too. Right. So what I'm saying is, I think that game that's where they that's where they utilized. That's why Patty played that late in that game. They wanted to show off what he is to the national media because that was a Sunday night football game. I want to say yes, it was, it was a Sunday, Sunday night football night. game. Yeah, that was a that was a prime yeah. time game. Yeah, they were and, coming in four one. Right, and, and that's what I'm saying. Like a lot of people are even picking the Bengals to win that game. The point is, is what I want to see from Patrick this year. We know the dude can hit home runs. We know he can chuck the ball far. That's his M.O. He is exciting as hell. I want to see a little bit more boring from him. As crazy as that sounds, because here I am being a Chiefs fan my whole life asking for a guy like this, and we get him, and now I'm asking him to be a little bit, not conservative, but more. A little more Alex Smith. 
they have a little taste of it because of the, this is what I want him to see. And I love that I saw in training camp. He was hitting a lot of those five-yard out throws. I want to see him not panic in the pocket. And it's hard to criticize this guy, but I could find this one little thing. Yeah, I have the same Hit point. the open man. Sam Munson from Pro Football Focus said this on national airway. I listen to radio all day long. And this is something he had said. He said, look, when it came to throwing people open, Patrick was the best in the NFL last year. He could fit it in the tightest windows and make it look easy. But th- something he did not do often and actually was below average was hitting open open targets which is which is teachable and it's usually always the other way and he's got such an advantage because of the fact there's gonna be so many one-on-one coverages this year because of the talent he has around him so what i want to see is him hit sammy watkins for a seven yard throw and let sammy create travis kelsey hit him on a six yard slant i want to see more of that this year so where he's completing 72 percent of his passes 66 percent is amazing that's a great season, especially when you throw over 5,000 yards and 50 touchdowns. But he can get better. That's what I want to see Patrick get better at, is completion percentage, hitting more open targets, because they're going to be there. They're going to be there all season. It up well, a little bit. And not just that. Uh, you know, where I really like to think he has room to improve is, you know, being more aware of the situation. Uh, you know, there were times it was like third and one, and he's like literally could like fall down, have his left arm like get cut off, and drag himself with yeah. like the, the two fingers on his right hands across <laughs> for a first down. Uh, yeah. And he would just hang back and roll out of the pocket and scramble around looking for that big play. It's yeah. like, man, just go get that first down and let's, yeah. let's go on to the next play. Uh, I think there's opportunities there. Where it's like, man, just go scramble for five yards and slide, slide yeah. Patrick Mahomes. Please listen Feet to first, me. Please. Feet first. <laughs> Jesus, dude. Yeah, I mean, scaring us, man. was it the first preseason game? He did it twice as preseason. Yeah, yeah. He dove. He I mean, just like he was just like, about to get that touchdown. And he scrambled against. I don't know what it takes, but if I ever see a defender like oh, Trent Green on Patrick Mahomes, like I'm literally gonna find the dude. <laughs> like he just he's just gone. Like we might like, not want to record this because that's there's no alibi now. That just <laughs> literally <laughs> never hear from him again. <laughs> hey, nobody, nobody. That happens. I'm texting Eddie immediately. Dude, delete that episode immediately. <laughs> there is no evidence. It never happens. It's okay, man. I'll just get on Twitter and be like, just pop my pen. Everybody forgets everything that happened. Well, we're gonna we're actually gonna take a break real quick, guys, because we have another segment that I want to I want to really address this. I I think that Anthony's gonna have a lot of thoughts on this one as well. It's gonna be bad. It's about it's about the defense. You're gonna be mad. It's okay. It's that's why we're here. We're here to either agree or disagree. Regardless, there's gonna be a discussion. How good can this defense possibly be under Steve Spagnola and the change of scheme? We'll get back to that after this. Back at it again on the Spoken Podcast for segment number three. I'm your host, Lance Twidwell, here inside the Casey Beardco Studios with my guys, Eddie Ortiz, yo, yo, yo. Trevor Twidwell, and Arrowhead Guys' very own, finishing off a delicious pizza from Toppers. Shout out to Toppers Pizza. Give it up for Anthony Stratton. Yeah. They made me go to Kansas. I'm sorry. <laughs> I can't endorse this. For all of our Kansas listeners, I apologize. We have to sometimes make do with what we get, and you know we had a Missouri guy come over today, so I, <laughs> I, I did live in Independence for like nine years. I mean, I'm not saying I have any, <laughs> but I saw a lot of it. <laughs> but I may be really now fucking high right now. <laughs> Now it's a I saw that burnt spoon in the corner earlier. I was kind of wondering where that came from. So, 
I don't know if it was Demi Lovato's or Anthony's. I couldn't uh, tell. So. Unfortunately, I have the fact that I'm actually eating something. To kind of, uh, <laughs> and, you know, the fact that I'm, you know, according to the doctors, morbidly obese. Yeah, right. Um, BMI. You know, I, I kind of have that going in my favor. Yeah. Uh, you look great, man. Don't worry. You look great. Well, so. you know. He's hitting on you. <laughs> you have a body for I'm going to need you two to leave the room. I was going to say, there's a reason we're sitting across from the table. You know what I mean? You know, you walk around with a weed eater for two <laughs> Fucking lose some weight. I'm down about thirty pounds. <laughs> so, so we obviously talk. About, I mean, we can talk about the offense all day long. I mean, it's exciting. It's going to be exciting. They're they're going to probably be the best offense in football again. Um, we can talk about that forever. But I feel like there's still so much that we can talk about when it comes to the defense. And the primary focus has been: well, can they be better than what they were last year? Is the scheme going to change things as far as production is concerned? And are they actually going to help Patrick Mahomes? excel and and actually get past the AFC championship because we can all agree the defense is why the Chiefs did not get to a Super Bowl last season. Whether it was D Ford off offsides, whether it was the lack of adjustments, whether it was anything regardless to a third down conversion for God's sakes, we couldn't even stop them once in fourth time or fourth down or overtime, but fourth quarter and overtime. But I feel like we can sit here and actually have a real conversation about this defense and actually be positive. And the reason why I say that is because of the fact that they're not running it back. If they had the exact same nucleus, if they had the exact same coaching staff, I would I would be terrified right now. Now, whether people are Bob Sutton people, whether people are Spags people, whether you know they they like Steven Nelson, whether they it doesn't matter. The point is the Chiefs have completely redone this defense, personnel wise and coaching wise. And that is why I feel like there is a sense of optimism that we can go off of and it not be ridiculous. If we were trying to make a, 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 a lighter sub, a lighter situation out of the same thing, I couldn't do it. I couldn't sit here and pretend like it's going to be okay because I would be lying to you and I'd be lying to myself. But we are sitting here looking at a completely revamped team on that side of the ball. And I want to know from you guys tonight, how good could this defense actually be? Anthony, yeah. I want to get your thoughts on this quick, man. Go yeah, ahead. Do your research before you invited me on this episode. <laughs> um, I don't know that the defense is going to be a, a whole lot better uh, on its own. I think, much like what we touched on earlier, if if we can set up some ball control offense to where we can get the lead and we can grind out the clock, I think that will greatly help the defense. However, sorry if that uh, – Macaroni and cheese pizza, whatever that was you just fed me. Uh, Kansas concoction. Uh, we like all of our carbs at once, you know what I mean? Uh, and it was coming back for to say hello. Uh, but if if we go back into like what we did last year, especially after we lost Kareem Hunt, when we could not grind out the ball and we were just passing, you know, just chucking touchdown after touchdown after touchdown, we are going to put teams in a position where they have to do the same to keep up with us. And as much as you want to point to the Patriots game as like a blueprint, nobody has ever been really able to pull off Patriot blueprints for beating teams. Uh, I don't foresee any teams out there having the patience to be able to take that game plan against the Chiefs. And and because we all said it all last year, you know, oh, well, people should run the ball and try to keep the, you know, ball out of Mahomes' hand. But nobody does that when the ball – or, you know, when the, when the clock starts running. Mm -hmm. You know, when he starts racking up points, you go, well, we got to start passing now. Mm -hmm. uh, and and I've 
I've done some like uh, some some different looks at stats. Like uh, one of the things I did is I went through every single game drive last year, and I looked at all the fourth down situations that our defense faced. So our defense faced the most fourth downs in the entire NFL, twice the NFL average, mind you. And a lot of those fourth downs were situations where teams normally wouldn't go for it. You know, fourth and seven on their own 36. You know, that's not what teams normally do. But because of the pressure that Patrick Mahomes and our offense applied to other teams, it forced teams to put us in the situations where we were having to play more downs. And the more downs you play, the more opportunities there are to fail. Uh, and, and in the NFL, on defense, it really is a numbers game of opportunities to fail, you know. Um, but essentially what it boiled down to is the Chiefs gave up five points per game on average that were scored after a team successfully converted a fourth down conversion that they normally would not have gone for in a typical game. Over the season, five points every single game in addition, were scored on our defense because our offense was scoring so many points that we were forcing these other teams to have to go for it. The Browns game, for example, they just came out saying, screw it, we're going to go for it. We're going to go for it on every fourth down. We're just going for it. Yeah. Uh, the Chargers game and the Browns game were two examples last year where the majority of the points scored by the other team were scored after they converted an unlikely fourth down situation. So – we were literally just putting our defense out there for extra snaps. And, you know, the more snaps you expose them to, the more opportunities there are to, to fail. Right. Not, and I get that. I'm, I'm not – the thing about it is I don't think that – I don't think that it's it was just all – that the defense was just so horrible. I don't want to make it sound like I'm just throwing a blanket on the situation saying, you know what, just you know, light it on fire. There was, there were opportunities, and you and I talked off the air. We all talked off the air a little bit ago about how you felt that Bob Sutton was done wrong in a lot of ways, where they kind of schematically or uh, personnel-wise screwed his schemes up a little bit by you know drafting guys that didn't really fit the three-four, which is what he ran. And I understand that. The point is, is that I felt like in big time, big opportunities, I didn't feel like Bob Sutton made adjustments when necessary. That's that's why I brought the Patriots game up because I felt like. There were so many times, and we had a front row seat to it. We were—I don't know if you were there or not, Anthony—but we were, we were right there on the almost on the field, and we saw. I mean, how many times on third and long? There's no zone coverage; it's one on ones, and they're just getting destroyed up the middle of the field. To me, that is a scheme issue. To me, that is a coaching issue because you're not putting your players in the best position to stop the team that is coming against you on third downs. That was what was so frustrating for me because I'm like, I don't feel like Bob Sutton's doing everything he could do. For me, this time around, and I don't want to give Spags any unnecessary praise because he's got a lot to prove to me. Because when we signed him, I went, I went on our Facebook Live on our on the Spoken page, and I immediately said, "I'm not signing off on this yet. I like, I like it because it is different, and right. I like different, but that doesn't mean it's going to be better." But now that I've seen the moves they've made and getting Tyron Matthew, trading for for Frank Clark and signing him, going and getting Ogba, going and getting Darren Darren Lee and these other guys that I think are going to fit the scheme better, giving Hitchens the opportunity to play in the scheme he's more familiar with, letting guys have more of an opportunity to be comfortable in what they have. And you've heard it in their own mouths at training camp. 
That's what I like, and that's why I got excited, and that's why I feel like this defense could actually not just be like good enough to where they're just not terrible, but actually being good. And what I mean by that is, whether you want to talk about rankings or not, I'm talking about contributing to wins. How many wins did the Chiefs' defense contribute to last year? I can only think of the the uh, the Bengals game. It was 45 to 10. The defense looked really good that night. I mean, they, play playoff. playoff. If we're gonna go playoffs, yeah, like I'll give them. I'll give them that game. game. But Andrew Luck's shoulder was done, so we'll we'll, we'll kind of give. But my point is this: out of eighteen games last year, the Chiefs we can name one or two games, including the playoffs, where the defense really had a part in the key in the victory. They played a key part in the victory, is what I'm saying. Right. So, if that can be different, where they can say, you know what? Yeah, Mahomes had four touchdowns tonight. The defense forced four turnovers. Yeah, the defense gave up the most first downs all time in a single season. That's what I'm saying. Like, if the if the if the narrative can be the defense is giving us hope and reason to believe that they can actually stop people on third down. Yeah, don't give up three more first downs per week. I'm not bitching. Yeah. That's what but, I'm saying. Yeah. It, it, but my point is, is that I think a lot of that is opportunity based more than it is scheme or personnel. Where if you were, you know, the other teams in the league and they're going up against one of the best offensive minds in the league and Andy Reid, and they're going up against the NFL MVP and Patrick Mahomes with this need for speed wide receiving core. It's the same thing we saw last year. Teams are not going to play us like they would their normal game plan. They're going to come out shooting. They're, they're going to take more risks and they're going to have more snaps and, and the essential, you know, what it boils down to is if you give the other team more snaps against your defense, right? They're going to have more yards. They're going to have more first downs. They're going to have more points. And you know, like we said, you know, you score too fast, you give the ball back. Right. And as much as we all are excited to be here from the Alex Smith days, you know, back then there was this whole mentality of Alex Smith helps the defense. And as much as I hate to admit it now, because I didn't really like agreeing with it back then or the, the sentiment of it, you kind of have to go, well, yeah, he kind of did. Because as long as the game is close, the other team's going to play you honest. Yeah. But once the game turns into a track meet, they're running your boys out. And and when they start you know, running that fast-paced offense, and they're running their wide receivers down, your DBs are the ones that are getting hurt. They're, they're the ones that are slowing down. They're gasping for, get, for breath. They're the ones trying to chase people down because they don't know where they're going. Right. And and you really wear down the secondary of a team. Sure, yeah. And, and you know, also the your edge rushers, your, your, your really just pure hybrid, just monster athletes, you're wearing them down when you start going in that fast pace, going down the, going down the field mode. I don't know that it has to do with talent on the team or coaching or scheme or any of that. But philosophically, and like I said, you know, when I began this, we have got to be able to get that mentality back where we can get a lead and then we can grind it out on the run game. Because if you just keep going out there and scoring fast, you're just going to put your defense right on the field before they've caught their breath. And it's just going to tax them. Well, and if you, I'm, I'm glad you brought up the corners actually, because that's actually something I was going to ask you guys real quick about this. Is I, I looked at the I've been looking at the schedule every single day and just analyzing and analyzing it because we have our prediction show coming up this next week. And um, the thing I love about this, and I tweeted this out today. I don't know if you saw it, but I said what I love about the schedule is that for the first now that Andrew Luck is officially retired, the first five weeks of the season 
they do not face a top-tier quarterback. And I'm a Matt Stafford guy, but Matt Stafford is not a top-10 quarterback in the league right now. He's, he's, he's good. He's good. But yeah, here we yeah. go again. But my point is this. My point is this. Wouldn't, wouldn't you say this is like a blessing in disguise for the Chiefs to really work things out with their young corners? Because this is a horrible core they have right now. And I don't expect it to be the same. I think they're going to go and get a name in the middle of the season. But for the first five weeks, they have a real opportunity to work against average quarterbacks for the first month, month and a half. I mean, don't you think that's kind of a blessing in disguise? What, what, what's your thoughts on that, dude? Yeah, I mean, I definitely – like you, the question was, do I think the defense is going to be better? Yeah. Um, as far as the corners, I think the corners on paper could be worse. Um, but I do like, like we talked about before, I do think we'll make a move. Um, you know, within the first few weeks of the year, uh, before the trade deadline, I think we'll make a move at corner because I think we're going to have to. Um, and then we'll get Mo Claiborne back and get some experience in there. Um, I think the safety play really comes into factor more than the corners do because having actual competent safeties in there to help put bodies in the right spots and kind of help, you know, being a, you know, a captain, having Tyron Matthew out there to, you know, because we saw when Eric Berry came back the first week, he's out there chewing dudes' asses out because they're in the wrong spots, you know. So just having a, a, a captain out there to, to help guys, I think, to, can only help. Um, so I think it is a good opportunity for our guys to, get, you know, their, dip their toes in the water a little bit and get their feet wet and, and kind of just get, you know, the, the the ball rolling as the season goes on and get their, you know, their adrenaline kind of ready uh, for the next coming games when they start facing tougher competition. Um, I'm still really worried about this 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 group of corners that we have. A lot of inexperience, a lot of youth. We have a lot of speed, but a lot of youth. So, I, I don't know. That's kind of a 50-50 one, man. I, th- I definitely think it could be a good way to start the season with, you know, not as elite quarterbacks we're facing, but it's, it's kind of a wait-and-see kind of thing I'm taking it as. And and to be honest, I don't know. I don't know if that's a, a blessing or a curse right. because I mean, you you think back to like 2013. You start off on that hot stretch. You know, you're you're playing some bad offenses and the defense is looking great. And then you start running up against you know your your other you know elite quarterbacks in the NFL and they just start shredding you out of the blue. Uh, I'd almost rather face that challenge off the get go and kind of like you know test the waters first rather than you know go late into the year and all of a sudden go oh 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 these guys aren't as good as we thought they were this kind of sucks um and 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 to your point trevor the the quarterback group i don't know what to expect from it right now uh hasn't looked very good i mean yeah which makes you go man remember when we thought we won the alex smith trade the number one Uh, corner in the league yeah but you know, you look at the cornerback group, Mark Fields is a guy I expected to make the roster. Herb Miller. And he had the worst night of all nights, yeah. you know, against Green Bay. Yeah. That dude's not making the team. Uh, yeah, my God. My, Would you say he got, he got creamed by a backup quarterback? Yeah, that was hilarious. Cream, yeah. <laughs> Everyone's like, oh, I was like, well, no, that's true. He just, you know, cream was like the was, huddler. Yeah, yeah. Like, he liked to hurdle people. Yeah. But, uh, but, but, yeah, I mean, you look at the cornerback group, and and uh, earlier this year we did the series on uh, you know a roster analysis where we went back and we looked at several years of Andy Reid's offenses and we looked at several years of Steve Spagnuolo's defenses to see what kind of numbers they kept at each position. And one of the really goofy things that stuck out for me when I did that uh, research was. Spagnolo has been very flexible with his defensive backs. So linebackers, like literally every year I looked at it, he kept six, right? Uh, you know, defensive line, 
every year it's the same number uh you know sometimes it's one more defensive tackle and one less defensive end vice versa but every year that that has been the same but defensive backs there are some years where he kept like three cornerbacks and six safeties and there's some years that he's kept like seven cornerbacks and three safeties right so he's really appeared to be flexible on the defensive backfield so with all this has gone on with Tremont Smith being pulled from the cornerback room and moving running back, uh, he's not making the team, by the way. Uh, right, right. Uh, that, 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 that was like – and he was like – before the draft, I said, Tremont Smith's not making the team. And everyone's like, oh! I was like, no, he's not. No, you're not uh, wrong. You, you provide nothing at cornerback. And they, they pulled him out and they put him in a pretty deep, you know, running back group. Uh, maybe not – super talented but very deep there was sure a lot of players there he's gone right so he's out you got fields out and you're looking at the cornerbacks there you're like man are they gonna they gonna go like deep at safety yeah do you I mean do you think that one thornhill might they might slide him down the corner on a lot of packages well between thornhill thornhill and matthew uh, matthew both way to go. uh and and you'd look back to what we said before the draft where they said they it's were the looking corner. yeah where they were looking at safeties with corner skills and corner experience mm-hmm. and it makes you wonder if it's going to be one of those years where we only keep three or four cornerbacks and keep a pile of safeties knowing that we have that flexibility to bring Thornhill and Matthew up leave guys like Money Watts and Sorensen back deep and, and still have a pretty uh, well-rounded defense. Yeah, right. And I would just like to take this moment to point out the Bob Sutton uh, originator of the three safeties that everyone is so popular. <laughs> oh, I'm just going to throw, throw a random question out there. Do you think, let's say, that they don't go for anybody at corner or anything, do you think they'll convert Thornhill to a corner? No. Uh, and I don't think that they're – I think they're, for the most part, done. With I don't think there's any big names out there that we're going to go get for cornerbacks. I, I don't I don't think they're going out for anybody. I think right. I think Morris Claiborne was there. Like, mm. oh crap, we got to get somebody else. Move. Mm. Uh, as far as trade compensation contract wise, I I I don't think they're going to go out and get anybody that Beach, anyone's man. excited about. No, I know, but he <laughs> even Veach has got to know that he is pushing them boundary. Like you know. John Dorsey, over the period of five years, he gave out a you know number one edge rusher and a number one safety contract. Veach did it. Yeah, but at, at what price are you willing to not pay to get yourselves the best chance to win a Super Bowl? That's the question. And, and that's fine. You know? But at a certain point, you know that spreadsheet that him and his math guys are running. Oh, to, sure. To look at the scenarios. They have to know that there's a limit. Well, and if you look at the schedule, I mean, the reason why I bring up the first part of it is because of the fact, like I said, they don't face a top-tier quarterback. But if you look at the rest of the season, if you look at the rest of the season, I mean, you're talking Deshaun Watson is going to be the ne- the first real quarterback the Chiefs are going to have to face that I would say you really have to fear if you really want to put him in that category. Yeah, the, or at the, least Nuck. Or, okay, but what I'm saying is yeah. that Deshaun Watson is a respectable quarterback. He's yeah, a top I mean, he, 12 he, quarterback he chucks it down into like a – Three meter radius, and somehow uh, Nuck is able to come down with it every single time. And then, but, and then, and then two two weeks after that, obviously you have Aaron Rodgers coming to Kansas City. And then after that, you know, you have Philip Rivers um, twice, and then you're gonna have Tom Brady. Outside of that, you're talking about Marcus Mariota. You're talking Joe Flacco. You're talking Mitchell Trubisky. You're talking Jacoby Brissett, Lamar Jackson, Derek Carr, Nick Foles. Like 
They're not facing great quarterbacks at a, at a premium this year like they did last year. What was it, the first month the Chiefs faced three Hall of Fame quarterbacks or whatever yeah. it was? I mean, this is a totally different situation the Chiefs are dealing with. That's what I'm talking about when it comes to the blessing in disguise because of the fact that they do not have to worry about the corners as much as they would before. Even though it's so terrible, they really do not have real, that much talent at all. They're not going to be facing incredible quarterbacks every week like they did last season. And I get that. And that's fine and dandy until you get to the playoffs and you do have to start facing those quarterbacks. Even if that's the case, though, when they get to the playoffs, how many quarterbacks in the AFC right now do you fear? I mean, none. That's my point. Tom Brady's 42 but, years old and has nobody to throw the ball to. But we are Chiefs fans, and we are preconditioned sure. to freak the We have that PTSD. We have the PTSD. About, I get it. About the fact that everything bad can and will happen to us in the playoffs. And and if we go through this season going up a bunch of crappy quarterbacks and eating them alive, and then the moment we start playing a couple good quarterbacks, we have some, like, Marcus Cooper flashbacks. Oh, when we hit the playoff, we're all going to be shitting ourselves going, is this going to happen to us again? Yeah. You know, were we were we given false promises on an easy schedule to start out the year, and now we're going into the postseason where everybody gets better, and are we just going to get our freaking it's hearts like, ripped out again? It's only going to concern me if we're getting – bent over by the mediocre quarterbacks. That's the only time it works. If Aaron Rodgers comes in and lights our defense up, you got to brush off your shoulder and go on to week the next week because that's, he does that to most teams. Yeah, He's even know. done it to the Bears and the great Bears defense we've seen. I mean, so Andy Dalton does dirty a couple weeks ago. Well, that's what I'm saying. That's when it starts to work. Yeah, that, if that, Andy that, Dalton's and, 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 the just, and then the Brissettes start destroying. Then again, I mean, that, that's not – I mean, that's true. But then again, we're talking about playing a very vanilla, vanilla – you're not showing anything. Yeah, They're not going after the quarterback. I yeah. I do think and it's that, better because of coaching and – because of safety play. That's what I want to get to. It's basically, do you guys believe that the defense is going to be good this year? I'm not saying just better. Are they going to be a good defense? There is a difference between being, being, between being not shit yeah. and being good. There are two. I guess on paper you can say that they're way better than, than shit, That's just what I'm yeah. saying. But to the nitty-gritty, yeah. we're, we're this close I, to I being think, the, I think statistically at the end of the year – they're not going to be considered good. I think I think at the end of the year you're going to be in the same boat you're in now where you're saying the offense had to win us these games. Is that uh, good enough to win a Super Bowl? Yeah. I mean we were nearly we were, last we year were all, yeah. last year. I mean as bad as the defense was last year and catastrophic as it was. I mean it was any handful of events, a coin toss, a D Ford move the fuck back six inches. A you know if Patrick Mahomes doesn't take a sack in the first half and get us out of field goal range, any of those things change. We're in the Super Bowl, and looking at that game, we likely would have won it. Uh, so yeah, I don't think they have to be good to win a Super Bowl. Uh, I think they have to have a few clutch moments. Uh, I mean, if you look at the Chiefs last year, even though the defense was terrible, they did have those clutch moments. They had those. Very few clutch interceptions because we kind of moved away from having cornerbacks who could look at the backfield and watch the ball. But uh, but but definitely with being the leader in the NFL in sacks, we had a lot of those clutch moments where they'd come up and they'd kill drives with you know a sack. Yeah. So mm -hmm. it, it it doesn't have to be like it, we're not going to see the Ravens. Mm -hmm. Okay, get that out of your mind. Sure. We're not going to be. They're not going to be out there just stuffing folks, and it's not going to be fifty to nothing, right. fifty to seven. I think we will be better against the run, though. We're not going to be getting gashed as much as we were last year. And which, which is fine, but as soon as it turns into a shootout, how many teams do you think are going to continue to run on us? That's true. 
But I so, mean, I mean, that, that, say they get the ball first, it helps yeah. to stop their rhythm. And that, but that's the reason I bring up the schedule is because of that very reason. Like you talk about the shootouts. If the defense can just be serviceable and good enough, my point is is that these quarterbacks they're facing 20, aren't guys that overall. are going to hang 35 on you. Yeah. And, and you know what I mean? Valid, and very valid. Yeah. Uh, however, you know, I mean, we saw teams do that last year with, you know, quarterbacks that we didn't think should be hanging points on mm-hmm. us. Just it, it, well, I, Falcons a couple years ago. And it really goes back to like what I said earlier. It, if you put your offense out there scoring all these points and pressuring the other team, they're going to be put in a situation where they're going to have to take more chances against your defense. Right. I mean, it's literally what Chip Kelly says. You know, if you go for it on fourth down every time, you're going to get it the majority of the time. And yeah. and what people don't think about is the stats that are generated after you do that. Right. The yards, the points, the first downs, those are all basically garbage time points that we took and compiled and threw against our defense last year, which made them look terrible because our offense was out there doing incredible things that nobody had ever seen before. Right. Yeah. And I think that's the very same thing we can see this year if we don't slow the game down and run the ball more. I agree. I, I, and, I, and I hope, honestly, like I said, the hope is that they'll be good. And, and from my perspective, my takeaway is I think they've made necessary changes to get to that point. And I like that this defense is 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 a is a um, a group that doesn't want to be known as the defense of the best offense. They want to be known as a good defense that happens to play with the team that has the best offense. I've heard Frank Clark talk many times, and obviously it's talk. So talk doesn't matter when it comes to you know huddling up and getting ready. But I do like what I've seen to this point as far as those guys because I I mean they led the league in sacks last year, tied with the Cardinals. What the hell did the Cardinals do last year? Nothing. That's the point. Sacks isn't what I'm concerned. I want to see takeaways. First, first down sacks don't mean anything. I want to see takeaways. That's what I want to see this defense well, do is be in the, be in the top five. If they can be top ten in takeaways this year, I think that's a dramatic improvement. A dramatic improvement. What scares me is that I don't think they have the corners that can force that. They do have Tyron Matthew. Yeah, they do have – and that's all the – the onus is on Juan Thornhill to develop quicker because, the, like Trevor said earlier, they are so much better at, at, uh, at safety right now. So much better. Yeah. And I think that actually is a yeah, they're and, very deep there. And as a front seven, they're better because Frank Clark's better in D Ford. He's better than Justin Houston. And I think Ogba and uh, I think Ogba and and um and Alex Okafor are solid players. I would disagree with you there. That what? The the front sevens took a step back. You think so? Yeah, last year we had three elite pass rushers. Would you agree with that? I would. Okay, I would agree that pass rushing might take a step back, but as a front seven, as far as what they can do against the run, as yeah. far as as a nucleus, I think they're better. Yeah. I think they're better as a well, nucleus because because also Hitchens ball guys too. Yeah, because also Hitchens is in a four three again. He was terrible last season. He plays now in the four three when he was amazing yeah, with the Cowboys. Well, he also had two Pro Bowlers playing next to him when he was amazing. Absolutely, that's fair. So it, like he's got two, he's got two All Pro guys yeah. with Chris Jones yeah. and Frank yeah. Clark next to him too. Now. No, 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 linebacker, yeah. Pro Bowl linebacker. Yeah, sure, sure. He was the cleanup guy. He was the Raglan down there when like Raglan was good next to DJ. Yeah, was because DJ did everything and Raglan <laughs> just like DJ's like, hey, I'm going to cover seventy five percent of the field. You see that one dude? If he gets the ball and he runs to this one spot, I need you to tackle him. I'll do everything. <laughs> Else, you just stand there and do this one thing. What a hard job, huh? That, that's literally that's literally. <laughs> right over there, like, okay. <laughs> so all we so all we got on right now is just hope. So let's uh, we got a little over a week to go. Let's see what happens, man. I'm excited to see what the defense can. We don't and, have we don't have just hope. We have Patrick Mahomes. There we go, Patrick Mahomes. At the end of the day, 
That's all we need. Well, we're going to actually start a new segment this week, starting this week until the end of the of the fantasy football season. Guys, it's time for Fantasy Talk with Trevor Twidwell. Oh, yeah. Turn down the lights. The moment is right for Fantasy Football Talk with Trevor Twidwell. It's over 9,000! Yes. Oh. Yeah. All right, Fantasy Talk with Trevor Twidwell is now going. We're in some, full swing. New shorts. <laughs> Shout out to Shaggy Shane and Clay. You guys have <laughs> definitely helped us on our show. <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to think of like what my life would, how different my life would be if I had Shane's voice. Like, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, you have a mind about the door right now. Uh, I just wish I could do that. Like, like, I've hung out with Shane before, and he, he like, does, like, he does, like, this bass line, and I'm, I swear he, like, plugs into a PV amp over there and just, like, <laughs> goes to town. I don't know how he does it, man. It's amazing so how cool. just just gold pipes for days, yeah, man. Sh- voice, man. Shout out to Shaggy Shane and, and my guy it's Clay Windler at uh, Red Tribe Cinema. These, these are, those are our guys for sure. But, uh. All right, Trev. We need to we need to get some stuff out there, man, because yeah, man. people people uh, are, are geared up, ready to go for the for the fantasy football season. Most most people have already uh, drafted their teams. So what I'm going to do just to start this week off, because obviously we haven't had an actual week to like discuss like you know player tendencies and things of that nature yet. Mm-hmm. I just want to take three players from the quarterback, running back, and wide receiver positions that have interesting matchups for Week One, and I want to ask you which of these guys do you believe should start if you had the option of the three. Okay, gotcha. so at quarterback, we're going to start at quarterback. We have Baker Mayfield versus the Tennessee Titans, a very stout defense, a very tough defense. And Baker Mayfield has a lot of pressure on him this year. Right. You have Aaron Rodgers going at Chicago. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be an interesting matchup. And then you have uh, Deshaun Watson at New Orleans. If those three quarterbacks, who would you who would you recommend those players? The people that are listening right now, who would you recommend to start that week one? It's a tough one. Um, we've. Uh, I initially want to say Aaron Rodgers because we've seen him, no matter how good the Bears' defenses are, we've seen him go into Soldier Field and just light it up. And he knows them very well. And he, we saw, was it was it week one last year? No, it wasn't week one last year. But remember, he, when he initially got hurt last year. That was last year, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was, and he came back out on one leg and still lit them up and came back. And it was my knee. And that, that was the <laughs> best defense in the NFL last year. I know it was early in the year, and they still were kind of like getting their, you know, their, their wheels going. I'm going to say Deshaun Watson. Okay. Uh, for his for his mobility reasons. Okay. Um, and the fact that they lost Lamar Miller and Duke Johnson is still kind of getting impl- uh, implemented into the offense. So I think Duke Johnson is going to have a good year, possibly a breakout year, because I think he's a three-down back. Um, but Deshaun Watson, like I said, because I think he's going to have to use his legs a little more with, with the exit of Lamar Miller and them still trying to figure out the running game with this exit. And they're not – they have no depth because they got rid of Deontay For- – or Deontay Foreman – uh, they shipped him off to Indy, and then Indy cut him. I think so. Right. They don't have depth at the running running back position, so I think he's going to use his wheels a lot more. Um, and I think Will Fuller should be ready for Week One, so he has that deep threat with Will Fuller. And then Nuke's just going to go out there and do what Nuke does. So uh, I think as far as fantasy points, overall fantasy points, and I had to pick between the three who I was going to start on my team. It would be Deshaun Watson. Okay. Yeah. Moving to the running back position, uh, the, this was a uh, this is going to be tough because I think these three matchups are almost like one in the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, James Conner at New England. That's going to be a really tough one in my eyes uh, because of the fact I think New England's run defense is going to be really good this year. 
Um, and week James, one, yeah, week one is so hard to predict. Though. Exactly, and then and then we have uh, Damian Williams at Jacksonville, and then we have Joe Mixon at Seattle. Yeah. Um, out of those three, the two, <laughs> the two, the two that are going to get the biggest workload, obviously, are Joe Mixon and James Conner. So, those two immediately are going to be my two. I'm going to be picking between. I think Damian Williams is going to get his because he's probably going to be like third on the defensive scheme from, from Jacksonville to actually focus. And the wild card part about that is if we're playing an arrowhead, it's definitely a big advantage because usually you want to go with the running back who's home, who has, who's going to, whose offense is obviously better and be putting up more points. And so they can kind of lean on him a little more. But I think between those three guys, I think Damien's the odd man out and it's because he doesn't run as much. And I think he's going to, he's going to catch some passes. Um, I think I'm going to have to go with James Conner, though, because we've seen – this is why. Because New England's defense usually almost always starts slow in the season. Yeah. We, we see them get absolutely shit on her, like, the first four weeks of the year. And their defense looks terrible. Like, everyone's, oh, this is the end. This is the end. And then, like, week six, week seven comes around, and then they're the best defense in the league. Right. And they're on for the rest of the season. Yeah. yeah. So – and then we've seen – we've seen the Steelers always have – almost always have good games offensively against – the Patriots, and they have shootouts. Usually they're great games, high-scoring games, 50-plus points usually. Um, Except last year, I think it was 17-10. to 10, Right, yeah. right. Yeah. I, know you're, I know what you're saying. Well, and then, yeah, the whole Le'Veon thing. Right. Um, yeah, they had, the whole year was kind of a scramble for the Steelers last year. But I think James Conner is the truth. I love that kid. And I think he's going to start – I think they're going to feed him and run him into the ground this year. Uh, I think he's going to get 20-plus carries um, and probably at least five, six targets, probably you know, a good four or five catches. And we've seen what he can do with the ball in his hands. And I don't trust the, the New England's defense this early in the season. Okay. So I'm going to go James Conner. Fair enough. Uh, and then finally to the wide receivers position. Um, we're going to go with a Kansas City guy as well. Tyree Kill against the Jacksonville Jaguars. He's got Jalen Ramsey that it's supposed to be quote-unquote shattering him. As, like, as I'd like to say, chasing after him. Shout out to Evan Tate. You didn't know how to cover a kick return. Yeah, shout out to Evan Tate, the kick returning specialist You know, going against uh, Jalen Ramsey. Uh, and then we have Juju Smith-Schuster at New England, obviously. And then we have OBJ against mm-hmm. the Titans at home against the Titans. Who do you who do you got to those three? You know what? I played it safe with the first two guys who I thought were more of the safe bets. I'm going to go upside on this one. I think I'm going to go with Tyreek Hill, especially if we're home, especially if the game gets moved to Arrowhead and we're out of the bad weather because we've seen bad weather affect the pass catches way more than it affects running backs. It actually helps running backs because most teams kind of depend on the running game when it's nasty outside a little more than they would chuck in the ball. Um, so yeah, I'm going to go the upside route here. Um, I think Tyreek Hill could definitely, and week one, we all, I always pity whoever has to play Andy Reid week one. Right. <laughs> he always throws those week new one, little gimmicks out there. Week one are coming off of the bye. Yeah. That's the scariest shit. I think any defensive coordinator has to look forward to in any team. Yeah. Because you never know what the hell he's mixed up. Because who knows? This is a whole other offseason with Mahomes. He's, he he could have been bitten. There's so going to be like days. three reverse touchdowns right. against Anthony Thomas. <laughs> Week one. Yeah, Everyone else is going like, to have like goose eggs. Right. They're like, what the hell? And then you'll never see it again. Right. Just, the whole just season. Like, just like Anthony Sherman on the wheel route. First week one against the Chargers last year. Yeah. Who saw that coming? Nobody. Nobody. And it was placed perfectly by Mahomes. So I just think there's going to be a freak play that we're going to get. I think Tyreek Hill could have two, three touchdowns well, if we're home. And to add to your point, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. To add to your point, there is a chance that game is an arrowhead. That's what I'm so, saying. Yeah. It's, it's just push the red button. And I mean, I was, reading that, I was reading that it was it was more than likely not going to move at all. Okay, I mean, good. Because the, stor- the storm is hitting this Sunday or Monday. 
so that they think they'll be clear by by yeah. Sunday. Well, let's hope because I don't want to. I don't want to see that happen. Caveat, for I will caveat that yeah. with with the Jalen Ramsey matchup. It's not an easy matchup. Matchup. I think Jalen Ramsey did do really well against Tyreek. Tyreek got him on that one really good play. Besides that, he didn't have that great of a week against Jacksonville. But I do think. Like I said, it's week one. Yeah, and know? that was like that was what Patrick's fourth career start right. too. I think it was. And that, that defense was incredible, and after that, well, we kind of broke them. Yeah. After that week, they kind of started crumbling. Yeah. And just 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 for the record, <laughs> what was so funny with Telvin Smith? He never ended up telling us. Um, I think it was. I think like, he just kind of played. I think the it was like literally that. their entire season. Yeah, just I, think a that, joke. I think that's what it ended up being. <laughs> I think it was Blake Bortles' uh, touchdown. Like, yeah. <laughs> you want to know something funny? <laughs> Yeah, look at how our season ends up. We suck up. Yeah. That was so Bortles. Again, shout out to our guy Evan Tate. Much big, love. Big, Jags fan. Big, big, big for the CBS, team so. Jags. I think they'll be improved team, but uh yeah, week one against Andy Reid. I, I pity I pity you. I pity whatever defense is facing Andy Reid off the bye or in week one. So all right, Trevor, real quick, who do you do you have any sleeper guys, any people that you might, you know, if they're on the block out there of uh, available players that you might not in normal 10, 12 man leagues yeah. wouldn't pick up. Who do you have out there that you think that uh, people should go and definitely look at? Man. Uh, I'll just go with the quarterback, my um, sleeper quarterback. And he's not – if you're a big into fantasy, he's not too much of a sleeper because you can hear his name hyped up a lot this offseason. But Lamar Jackson in Miami this week, or this, this week one, I, I'm pretty sure he's going to probably be the highest scoring fantasy quarterback this week just because of his running ability. Um, yeah, so it's a B, be a PPR league, I'm assuming? Um, or Really, he's actually better in a, in a half PPR, four point per passing touchdown because he rushes touchdowns and he rushes more. So he's like a running back that throws the ball, right, right, which makes him way more valuable. PPR, I would go Mahomes in a PPR if it's a six point passing touchdown league. If it's six, if you're getting six points per t- passing touchdown, he throws four against Jacksonville. There's nobody that's going to top him. Um, but the rushing ability of Lamar, I think, is is he's going to put himself on the map. And then we saw last year from week what, six when he came in. He ended the season as the 12th best quarterback in yeah. fantasy. Yeah. Imagine he played all year. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Top 10, top 8, maybe I, higher. I said that I think Lamar Jackson could have a legit shot of rushing for 1,000 yards this yes. year. Yeah. He had, I think, 851 rushing yards and nine starts. Yeah. I mean, the kid, I think he's going to like, just like Mahomes did last year, not at the, at the same level, obviously, not 5,050. But I, like you said, the rushing ability, dude, he's, he's rushing at a higher rate than Michael Vick ever did last right. year. Yeah, the, I mean, if you if you sample size, you take a sample size and extend it for the whole year, it was like it was out of this world. We've never right. seen it before. So I think, yeah, that's my sleeper quarterback, man. Um, fire him up if you have him. That dude's gonna be a rock solid starter for Week One against Miami. That was fantasy talk with Trevor Twidwell, the first of many guys. So if you have any questions regarding fantasy football that you'd like Trevor to answer, uh, join our Patreon. Uh, we'll have exclusive uh, content on there, and that way you can guys can actually ask, ask Trevor on there, and then we'll bring Absolutely. it up on the show. Definitely have us come on, or definitely uh, add your questions on there. We'd love to hear it, Trevor. I know you would love to answer I'm the questions. Big, I'm a big daily fantasy guy, so if you have any like DFS questions, any DraftKings, you know, tell, we'll fan, t- tell them your Twitter handle too. That way, well, that's Treviathan89. There you go. It's a um, that's that's my handle there. So yeah, I'm I'm definitely trying to get on Twitter a little more and work on my presence there. So if you have any like any fantasy questions, I'm I'm a big nerd when it comes to that stuff. So feel free to. There we go. Me. All right, that's the first of many. So now we are moving to the segment of the night. Guys, what's it called again? Hold, Hold this L. It's time to I want you to do me a favor and hold this L. Somebody's got to hold that L. <laughs> the him, the her. I'm talking like caps lock L L L L L L L L Cool J stuff. Hold that L. <laughs> Good God, man. 
hold this gigantic, <gasps> veiny, oh pulsating elf. Man, you are one pathetic loser. You ignorant bastard. <laughs> oh, that was great. Oh, hold Sorry. this elf. Hold This L, brought to you by Casey Beard Company. Since 2014, Kansas City Beard Company is providing beard and skincare products to Kansas City and the worldwide with made with 100% organic ingredients. Follow them at Casey Beard Co. on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and find, uh, visit their website at caseybeardco.com. All right, guys. The 27th Hold This L. Let's make it special. Eddie, let's start with you. Who is holding the L of the week? My elf this week is going to go to none other than Pierre Gasly, driver for Formula One. Now, last year he had an amazing season with Red Bull Toro Rosso. Uh, outstanding driver last year. He got promoted to actual Red Bull Racing uh, this year, early this year, before the season started. And that was going to be their, their guy, right? So... We're, we we hit half half halfway through the season. We were already halfway through, and he's had a constant of of really really bad races. Uh, he got overlapped by his own teammate driving the same car. Oh, when you get overlapped by your teammate who has the exact same car as you, <laughs> that only tells you one thing. You know you're you're a bad driver. Right. So Red Bull was like, you know what? We made a mistake. You're going to get demoted. Shit. He got demoted. Halfway through a season, got demoted. Damn. So they, they promoted a, a 21-year-old, Alexander Albon. I believe that's how you pronounce his name. I might be pronouncing it wrong. And he's he's been having a great season with Toro Rosso. Amazing season. Obviously, it made him stand out enough to where Rebel was like, okay, we're going to replace this guy with this guy. And we have to do it now. If we don't do it now, it's just going to get worse. So my L is going to go to Pierre Gasly for having a horrible season, and I think he's going to have more of a horrible season with Toro. So, <laughs> so Pierre Gasly. Hold this L. L. Gasly. What a last name. More like Astley, if you ask me. Yeah, pretty much. Anthony, who do we got? <sighs> You're not going to like this, though. Do it, man. You've been saying that all night, but I've liked all your takes. Yeah, well, for love, man. Quit trying to disappoint me, man. Tonight. <laughs> Lance Beardwell has to hold this up. <laughs> oh, yeah. This ain't the first time. This ain't, this ain't the I, first I, I time. Oh, no, go ahead. Do your thing. Because back when uh, old Tattoo Tony was just a little Twitter guy, old Lance liked to harass me a little bit and try to retweet shame me some. The bully gets bold. We got to find these tweets, man, because I don't know if you're making this up or not. And, and now I'm seeing this business on Twitter and Facebook about how stoked he is to have me on his show <laughs> after he used to just badger me about. He could have he been in on the ground level. Back when I was doing things for him, putting them up on the site, he didn't know how many views he was getting over there. But nine months later, Lance finally calls me up and invites me on the show, the very first podcast I ever listened to. He finally, he finally brings me around. And for that injustice... Of time served in the <laughs> darkness. Lance, you must hold this out. <laughs> so, Lance Twidwell. Hold, hold this out. 
I was so captivated. It's like I watched a Broadway movie. Oh, dude, I'm crying over here. That was great, dude. This is awesome. I don't... <laughs> this is awesome. Oh, that was a deserving L. That was a very deserving L. Justice served <laughs> on a cold plate. That's amazing, man. Trevor, who's holding the L, man? This one pains me, man. This is one of my favorite guys. Oh. Um, Oh, oh, not me. I'm gonna, <laughs> definitely not you. Oh, uh, okay, good. Um, we're trying to be that close to you. <laughs> give it time. Give it time. Um, Demarcus Cousins, man, boogie. Yeah. I yeah, was that gonna, was rough. Like, we, we had talked last week. I was gonna, I was gonna do the unfair L because he hurt himself again. And I was just gonna pour salt on the wound, but it wasn't his fault. But this time around, it's his fault. And uh, this guy, since he came to the league, was always one of my favorite players. Not only because he was a, he was a Kings player. And obviously he's not anymore, but times have changed, man. The guy's not right in the head. Uh, supposedly he was obviously he just got married, which is you know, a good thing, right, for him. Um, second wife, I think, the time around, or second serious relationship. I'm not sure if he was married before. But anyways, he was going to get married, or he got married, and at the wedding, previously before the wedding, he called up his, his the mother of his son and threatened her and told her that he was going to put a bullet in her head if she didn't allow their seven-year-old child to attend his wedding. And now he's got a warrant for his arrest in Alabama, which he can't even fly himself out to Alabama right now because of the ACL surgery that he just took to turn himself in. So more than likely, he, he's uh, he might be done, man. Uh, his career might be over. And it's, he's only know, 28 years old. I don't old. know if we've ever seen a player with his ability, maybe outside of like Brandon Roy, but his was strictly injury. Not only is his injury related, but it's also dumbass related. Yeah. And I have to rescind my love for this guy now because I've loved him and followed him and been a big, you know, supporter of his since day one. You know, even with all his crazy antics and his, you know, but it's shown that his crazy antics aren't just on the court. Um, there, there's also plenty of them outside of the court. And it's sad to see that he would go as far as to threaten to kill um, the mother of his child just so the child can attend. I mean, I'm sure she was saying things to, to pasteurize him too, but you don't ever cross that line. So he's probably going to get incarcerated sometime soon. Um, in Alabama, and uh, yeah, it's just it's too bad to see, man. So I, I feel like my L's always bring down the. Room. I was gonna say my L's are always depressing. <laughs> I, I'm literally just sitting over here going, man, didn't I literally I do that earlier on the show? I'm not <laughs> listening next week, by the way. I always feel like halfway into my L's, I'm like depressing. I would myself. like to hand Tony the L for threatening to kill anybody <laughs> who hits Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> Even so, though yeah. it was the fundamentally correct thing to do. <laughs> so yeah, man, um, it's sad. It's 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 not a good scene. It's it's not a funny funny L to talk about, but it's a serious L, and the guy's definitely taking a massive. L. I don't think we've ever seen anyone at his elite ability crash this hard, hit rock bottom that quickly, going from about to being a max player in the league to being now possibly out for the rest of his career. And, yeah, and and, and and in jail. So it's pretty sad. So Demarcus Cousins, Boogie Cousins, you're gonna have to go ahead and uh, hold oh, this L. I have three younger brothers and a smaller sister. Um, what Katie's what nine now? Yeah, I would do anything for my siblings. I would defend them to the death. I would uh, probably lie for them. I'd pretty much do anything for my my siblings because I love them that much. They're my younger siblings. Trevor's on the show. Brandon's here. Uh, Jared's out doing his thing. But there comes a time and place where you got to just be real, especially when you're paid to have a take. And if one of my brothers was in a profession and I had to analyze them, as much as I love my brothers, 
I'm sorry, guys, and I'm looking at both of them right now. I'd have to be real, and that's just the facts of nature here because you're paid professional to do something, and I'm paid to professionally analyze you. But uh, David Carr decides to do things a little bit differently. And um, believe it or not, this guy is actually paid to talk sports on NFL Network. And this week, the NFL Network decided to have all their analysts and talking heads make their predictions this year for what's going to happen in the NFL. Pretty much everyone else had the same exact picks as far as who's making the playoffs, who's winning their divisions, who's going to be in the conference championships, who's winning the Super Bowl. But David Carr decided to take another step and I would say double down, triple down on his picks. And wouldn't you know it? What a contrarian he is. Derek Carr decided to pick the Jets to win the AFC East over the Patriots. And he also not only has the Raiders winning the AFC West, but getting to the goddamn Super Bowl <laughs> and beating the Falcons doesn't end there. He lost a bet. He also has the Chiefs missing the playoffs entirely. So most people laugh about this stuff. Let me reiterate what I just said 48 seconds ago. This guy's paid to make these takes. Well, it all ties back to CTE. Yeah, CTE <laughs> is a real thing. My point is, is I mean, that he was literally like the most sacked quarterback for like yeah. the duration of his career, right? Oh, yeah. It was but terrible in Texas. There's definitely problems there. I mean, it may just run in the family. It might be genetic. Uh, you know, his brother wears mascara. He wears jean shirts and sits on Camaros. I think there's a definite like lack of depth in the gene pool in the car family. Can I just go ahead and say that? I, I wouldn't. I, I haven't, haven't been debate that. by any of the cars yet, but something tells me that, that it's coming. It's coming. Happen. It's coming this year because David Carr is going to be absolutely wrong in all facets. The Jets are not winning the AFC East. Nope. The Raiders are not winning the AFC West and getting to the Super Bowl and beating the Falcons, and the Chiefs are not missing the playoffs this year. No. Let's just call it what it is. Derek Carr, David Carr is simply pandering for his brother, who's going to be out of a job in about a year. He didn't even dive into why the Chiefs are going to miss it, though. That's what pissed me That's off. That's because there isn't a reason. It wasn't an actual take. He was like, Bleh. I wonder like, if he up. got pulled for a random drug screen immediately. I doubt it. Segment. They should, because you, you know, know hunters like, make a big they, hit. They they get, get, like, anytime, why. like McCaffrey or uh, McCaffrey? Uh, the, the punter. Oh, every time he made that, yeah, like, McAfee, huge, McAfee, McAfee, McAfee. McAfee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Every time he like made a huge tackle, they're like mm, <laughs> drug test. Yeah, yeah. Eric <laughs> Reed's Eric Reed's been random. Show. David Carr's like, oh, the 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 Raiders gonna win the division and they're gonna win the Super Bowl. And they're like, mm, David, we need you to HR for a drug test. Thank you. You need to be here. In- David, you're killed. Yeah. Five minutes, please. Can you shed some weight into this cup, please? That's, I work for that's... the government. I know how this works. <laughs> You got, so you got five minutes from the time you get that message to get down there and pee. David, go. Hard knocks, hard knocks, and hard times for the Carr family. That's for sure. So David Carr, do me a humongous favor, my guy. That's paid to basically talk nonsense. Go ahead and hold, hold this out. My guy Anthony, seriously, buddy, thank you so much for being here tonight. Uh, it means the world to us that you would bring Arrowhead guys into our show. Um, um, you, I, I, I hope I didn't ruin it for you guys. That no, you have to like this is our know, last episode. Push, <laughs> you know, at some point. Well, if uh, you end up taking out the guy that potentially could take out our quarterback, then we might have to end this show. I don't know what you're talking good. about. So <laughs> there's no alibi anymore. Mom is not the word. I, I assure you. One, I assure you, I can grab that laptop and be out this door for anyone to catch me. <laughs> I don't doubt that for a second. I'm a but, rumbler. But in all seriousness, man, I love 
love what you guys are doing. You guys have a great thing going. You have a great team. I met I met your whole crew at the the house the other the yeah. other week. Well, that was like a fourth of the crew. a fourth of the crew. Yeah. Regardless, oh, those guys oh, are great. You guys have, you have a great thing going, man. And I really I'm excited to see the future for your guys's content i think you guys are like i said high quality stuff and it's a lot to do with you man a lot of the credit goes to you for what you've done and the hard work you put into it and we appreciate it and i appreciate you being here so let's just give a round of applause for our guy anthony stratton follow them give give everybody your guys's content your twitter handle all that stuff uh we were lucky enough to get arrowhead guys for literally everything we signed up for so arrowheadguys.com arrowhead guys on twitter arrowhead guys on facebook arrowhead guys on uh, Instagram, Just Google Arrowhead. Uh, you know, we got we got merchandise on Dad Bot Tees. Uh, you can find that from the site itself. Nice. Uh, we probably got other stuff. I don't know what the guys are all into. <laughs> uh, there's a whole bunch of us, and uh, I just like to thank you for having me on, Lance. Uh, sure, you know, I I was like I fought the Twitter forever, you know, because like man, I'm I'm like OCD about everything. Like if I'm gonna do something, I'm like do the fuck out of it. Right. So I was like, man, I if I get on Twitter, it's gonna like just I'm just gonna yeah. be on too much. It's so I, I fought it, I fought it, I fought it. I got on there, and uh, you know, I was always a big fan of Clay's, uh, even back in the Zerohead Pride days. Uh, he was kind of like the anti-hero, you know, the mm-hmm. guy that like. You know, he'd, he'd pick against the Chiefs, you know, and he'd say something, and everyone got all pissed off. I'm like, guys, he's not wrong. Right. He's in the castle area. Uh, so, <laughs> so he was always somebody that I, I really looked up to. And uh, so that, that's kind of how I found you was through Clay. Uh, you guys are, are pretty tight. So uh, you were, like, one of the first guys I, you know, I, I followed on Twitter and, you know, was like, hey, you know, this, this guy's doing cool stuff. I, I like a podcast. I, uh, you know uh, – I don't always agree with you, but when I do, it's usually because you said something right. Um, <laughs> well, I so appreciate it, that. It, it really does. I'm really glad to to, to be here and, and to have, be on your show. Uh, it, it means a lot to me. Well, and as, as, a, as a token of our appreciation, uh, Casey Beardco has a beard trio for you. It's got some beard oil, some beard wash, and some beard oh. balm for you because we know you rock out the badass beard. Uh, yeah. Yeah. All this is made with 100% organic Jeez. ingredients, man. So this is all for you to take home with you by Casey Beardco. Um, but like I said, man, you are always welcome here. Whenever you right. want to come on the show, hit me up anytime. Seriously, man, it would mean a lot to us. So again, thank you so much, everybody. Anthony Stratton, uh, follow Arrowhead guys, follow him on Twitter as well. They have great content. It's me all year long. It's me a blast to, to follow what they do this year. Um, but in, but in that, guys, that's all we have for you. Um, we're looking forward to next week. Real quick announcement. We are not doing our show next week on Friday. We are actually moving it to Tuesday because the season starts on Thursday night with the Packers and Bears. So we want to get our predictions for the entire NFL in a couple days before the season actually starts. So be on the lookout for the Tuesday podcast. It'll be episode 28. It'll be all predictions. Trevor's going to give a little fantasy stuff. But other than that, it's going to be all predictions, division winners, records for every single team, uh, postseason matchups, conference championships, Super Bowl matchups, Super Bowl champion. It's going to be a blast. I, we've been looking forward to this oh, yeah. all off season. I cannot wait to do this. It's going to be a fun yeah, show. We'll talk about it's going to be man. great, man. Yeah. So in that for Eddie Ortiz, for Anthony Stratton of Arrowhead, guys, for Trevor Twidwell, I am Lance Twidwell here in the Casey Beard Co. Studios, episode 27 of the po- Spoken Podcast. We out of this bitch. See you later. Peace. We're going to get out of this bitch. Thank you so much for listening, guys. See ya. You are tuned in to the Spoken. I might actually stick. I might actually stick around for a little bit.